Welcome to the Healthpreneur Show with Uriel Kime. We're so glad you're here. Every episode, we're going to bring advice and conversations with experts that will help you grow your health business. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Yuri here. Today, I am joined by Amanda Quinn and Laura Jackson, who are the founders of Fit Chicks. Pretty cool name. Um, they are Canada's largest women's only fitness company, started in 2008. And with only seven chicks and many companies in the industry failing to grow, their goal of fierce fitness made fun that's accessible to all women expanded their award win women's only bootcamp uh, from over 20 locations to include health retreats, fitness DVD programs, nutrition challenges, and the Fit Chicks Academy online certification programs. They've helped thousands upon thousands upon thousands of women transform and reach their goals. And I'm excited to have Amanda and Laura with us today. Ladies, welcome to the Healthpreneur Show. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to be here. Absolutely. So let's let's start off with um, how you guys got connected and why you decided to partner up instead of doing your own thing. <laughs> okay, I'll take this one. So <laughs> basically, um, we've actually been best friends since grade nine. So wow. Laura and I have been friends forever. And I'm, I mean, I could age us, but yeah, we've been fr- best friends for a really long time. And, you know, we struggled with body image issues. We struggled with weight issues and all of those things that as a young person, when we became friends, we're dealing with. And so we actually started working out together, going to yoga classes together, like doing all the bad fad diets and like <laughs> gimmicks out there to try to figure it out when we were young. And then over the years, we kind of just learned a lot of different things. We learned a lot of different tools and we started falling in love with health and fitness. And we just sort of became, it became a part of who we were as opposed to something that we just kind of did. Right. That's awesome. So that was kind of like a little bit of the story, like the process of how it began, but really how we started our business was we were actually at an outdoor fitness class together. And, um, this was just in September, no, I guess probably about July of 2008, we were at an outdoor fitness class together. We, I remember it so clearly because we were like doing crunches under the stars and like Nelly Furtado was playing in the background. And we we're just like, oh my gosh, like we looked at each other and we're like, this is what we should be doing. Cause at the time we were both working corporate jobs. I was working for the Toronto International Film Festival or was, um, working for Hilton hotels. And we had, had these cool jobs that we liked, but we just didn't feel any passion for it. And so that was the moment that changed everything. We came home and we were like, this is what we should do. And so that was the conversation that began the process of FitChix. It's amazing. So many people are doing stuff they don't like to do, right? And then they're <laughs> like, I want to do this instead. Or uh, they want to transition their business in some way, shape or form, but they're afraid. Mm-hmm. When, when, so when you guys look back on, and I'll just bring, uh, I'll ask Laura, I guess, for this one. When you're looking back working at the Hilton or in your case, uh, Amanda, with the uh, the film festival, mm-hmm. like when did you know it wasn't the right fit for you? Like, was that when like that fitness moment happened or was this like bubbling up for a while? And then there was that one day I was like, all right, this is what I'm doing instead. Yeah, I think it was definitely bubbling up for a while. I mean, ever since we were young, we always had like side passions, but then, you know, you fall into what most people do where you're doing what quote unquote you should do. So, you know, go to school, get a, go to secondary, post-secondary, um, whether it be college or university, then of course, you know, follow, climb the corporate ladder and that kind of thing. So we both really kind of fell into that, but we knew very early on that we were not fulfilled doing that. Um, which is why when we were kind of building fit chicks and we were loving the workouts, we got certified on the side. And then before we knew it, we kind of started taking on our own clients. 
but we saw like a massive hole in the market for women's fitness. There was no, back then everything was either like, I don't know if you remember curves. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was yeah. very like kind of, you know, lighter weights for women, fluffy aerobics, or there was like the hardcore kind of CrossFit. There was no, no place for women to really like work out, um, whether it be high intensity interval training or really strength train, and also have that same kind of female based community. So we love the business side of it. And then through corporate, as we were like, very quickly seeing that we could do this on our own. That's when we're like, we knew we had to exit. That's awesome. I want to add to that too. Like just so everyone knows, like we didn't leave our corporate jobs right away. No. So we like to say we traded our suits for sweats, but we did Mm -hmm. that after a year of building our business. So we kept our full-time jobs and worked like Monday to Friday, nine to five, did like the grind. And then we would teach classes every, um, usually two to four nights a week. We were teaching classes after work. And then on weekends, we would be like doing marketing and accounting. And we'd be like every night, like putting up posters in our like areas and our communities. And like, it was hard work, like for a full year of just like going all in. But we knew that we had to do it then if we wanted it to like have the outcome that we desired. So we did that for a full year. And then we felt confident that we built brand equity. And we also had saved enough money in our bank account to make us feel secure we could that's awesome i love it yeah so it's like a little bit of like a slow burn kind of thing but it was important for us to have that confidence rather than feeling like we were acting in scarcity or like scrambling to find clients to try to pay our rent kind of thing and what do you think was different from you guys compared to like I'm, i'm assuming based on the fact that employee disengagement is the biggest issue in in our economy what do you think was different between like your ability to do something of your own versus maybe some of your coworkers at the time who maybe knew they weren't happy, but were not willing to do what they wanted to do instead? I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I wish I could give you some really, you know, deep advice about that, but I honestly <laughs> think we just, we just got to work. Like, I don't think we really thought about it that much. It was like, Oh, cool. I think we could do this. Let's try it. And then it was just like, let's put up a website, let's put up posters, let's start practicing classes. And we just really went to work. And I think that this is where a lot of people, they kind of overthink things too much without even trying it. And then before you know it, you're stuck in your head, you're stuck in that loop of failure. um, And then you don't even attempt it. So I feel like it was almost like a blessing in disguise because we didn't even have time to really even think about the the option of failure. And also I think too, because we had that you know, we still were working full time. It was almost like, you know what, if this doesn't work out, we still have a job, but we knew very early on that it was going to work out. Yeah. That's awesome. I remember my first year in business, I made $6,000, which was amazing living in Toronto. Um, not, and my buddy, (laughs) a a friend of mine who had invested in a number of different companies, I was asking him for advice and stuff. He's like, dude, um, put together a business plan and then like, I'll see what we can do. And I was like, I remember writing a 30 page business plan. That was, you might as well just like put it in the fireplace afterwards. Cause it was a complete yeah. waste of my time. It took me like a month. And I'm just like, it's so funny how there's different ways of building business, right? Some people go the investment route. Other people like us, we're just like, screw it. Let's just do it and bootstrap it. You know? And I love yeah. that. No, for sure. We wrote a business plan like twice in our business. Once in the very beginning, because we thought we had to to follow the rules. And then the second time was actually, um, we were on Dragon's Den and we got a deal with one of the dragons. I thought I saw you guys on Dragon's Den. That's (laughs) So we got a deal with one of the dragons and, but of course, like 
you know, in the show, they really actually do not, not really know anything about you. So you could say whatever you want. And then in the afterwards yeah. is like the due diligence. So they wanted us to come up, like to send them our business plan and stuff. And we're like, oh man, we have to like build a business plan now. Like we don't even have one. We just kind of know what we're going to do over the next year, but we didn't really know what the big plan. And it was just, yeah, we didn't end up going with the deal. We ended up like deciding to go separate ways. But who did you guys, uh, well, who did you guys, who were you guys going to do the deal with? Um, what's his name? Mike, uh, Weckerly. Weckerly. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. What, what, it was interesting. Yeah. He actually gave what us did a you deal, guys... like, it was crazy. He gave us a deal within like a minute of us being in the den and like, it, but it was at the end of the day. So I'm like, was he just tired of filming? <laughs> like, I don't know. He made us a deal like instantly. Like we hadn't even finished our pitch yet. And then yeah. he gave us a deal and then we were like, <laughs> okay, well, we're just going to finish pitching everybody else. <laughs> and sure. It was really awkward. But yeah. And for our American friends, Dragon's Den is like Shark Tank, but Canadian version. Yeah. What did you guys learn about that? Like, what did you guys learn in that process of like applying for the show, being on the show, almost getting the deal, it not going through? What was the big learning in that whole thing for you guys? Oh, well, 100% was that we don't want any outside partners. I was going to the exact same thing. Yeah, I think a lot of times, we, because I think a lot of times, first of all, as entrepreneurs, we always think that other people know better than we do and we don't trust ourselves enough. And I think that, um, for us, that was kind of like, we had this, this idea that we needed somebody who was bigger than us, who was, you know, had more money than us to be able to build our brand to where we wanted to go. And then we realized very quickly as that, those conversations started that the vision was so different. So we actually ended up backing out of the deal because it was so not in line with what we wanted for fit chicks and what we wanted for women and our clients and the whole thing. So that was something that was like really, really, really huge. And also like, I don't know. You probably know this, Yuri. Like as an entrepreneur, like you want to, like one of the things you love is to create, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like when you have to pass things through other people, it just, it takes away from it. So, I mean, again, a lot of people do it differently. People love having investors, but for us, we knew very quickly that we're like, that was like the nail in the coffin that is the two of us. And we're going to build this as big as we want to, not as big as somebody else wants to. Yeah, it's awesome. I remember when I was in my first year, um, I thought PR was the way to go. So I was put in contact with the publicist. It was $20,000 to work with her for the year. And so I started seeking outside investment for $20,000. And my friend introduced me to someone who wanted 15% of my company for the $20,000. And I'm just so happy I didn't do that because that would have been a terrible mistake. Yeah. And like, like, you don't, you only know what you know at the time, but it's, I think there's a lot of value to just struggling and bootstrapping and kind of finding your own way. Because when you, a lot of people that get outside investment is like, it just becomes very frivolous, right? What did, like, how, what are, I don't know if it's a skill or maybe a habit or, or a way of being, like, how did you guys develop? What did you guys get better at because you guys had to figure things out without that outside investment? I think that we got better at, like, a lot of different things. I think the biggest thing, though, is, like, trusting ourselves in the process. Like, I think that that was the biggest thing that we kind of got better at, but I think, I mean, like skill set wise, of course, like we continue to learn and grow even to today, like to this day, like Laura's doing a a certification currently. I'm actually signing up for a new one to like in the next week or so, like we're constantly learning and growing and developing so that we can show up better in our business and for our clients and for our students. But I think it's really just like the one thing I feel like I learned through this whole process or the past 13 years is really just to like trust ourselves and to trust our gut and also to 
like pay attention, like pay attention to your business, pay attention to what people are saying to you about your business as well. So really actually listening to the feedback and not necessarily taking it for, because I think sometimes, especially in the beginning, entrepreneurs are like, oh, you know, like for example, someone will be like, oh, I want to, I want you to teach fitness classes in the morning. I wish I could come. And then they'll all of a sudden they'll just be like, okay, I'm going to do in the morning now. And then they start changing <laughs> things and they start changing the direction. And it's like, no, just trust the process. Cause even if those people won't come, somebody else will. Right. So it's like, trust that and just go on that path. So that, that was big for me. That's yeah. I mean, I, oh my gosh, I have learned so much. I, yeah. one thing I totally <laughs> believe your business will only grow as big as you grow. So you have to constantly be working on yourself, your mindset, your self-belief. Um, every level comes with a different devil, as they say. <laughs> but it's like, you know, you have to keep on growing who you are. You can't be afraid to fail. I see this. I see so many people quit before they even really try. And it's like, you've got to try a gazillion things. I mean, if we go back, like we've been in business now for 13 years, both running a very successful in-person business and a very successful online business, two totally different beasts. And <clears throat> excuse me, like if I went back and looked at all the things that we have tried, all the money we've spent that didn't work out, but then all of the lessons we learned from that that then contributed to what did work, it's like, it's crazy, but you've got to be willing to be in the game. Like you've got to be willing to try things, put yourself out there, fail, have people tell you you're wrong. And just kind of keep going. And I think for me, that's one thing. It's not even about having a tough skin. I think it's just about understanding failure is part of the process. And mm -hmm. it doesn't mean anything about you personally. It just means that that strategy didn't work and you just have to try something different. It's really good advice. Uh, I don't know if you guys can answer this or maybe if you've acknowledged this. Like I've, 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 noticed, I've noticed myself and other people, like when we make a decision about something, like to take on something new, make an investment or whatever it is, there's like two movies playing in our minds. There's like, what if this doesn't work out? And then there's, what if this does work out? Have you, have you, I mean, can you relate to that? And if so, like has, it seems like the, what if this does work out might be a bit more of a dominant movie in your minds. Would that be true to say, fair to say? I think, um, you know, I talk about this actually, like in our, fitness and nutrition expert program in some of the mindset stuff. When I talk to our students about like in one of our coaching calls, I recently talked about this idea that we always want to believe, like we have these thoughts that come through our minds of like, well, what if, you know, what if I show up to class and nobody shows up or what if I really suck at this? You know, these are the thoughts that we have before we do it. But for some reason, it's like, we want to believe those thoughts, but there's no facts behind it that prove that that's a real true statement. But for some reason, we hold on to those ones because it's like giving ourselves an out, like it's a reason to not go after the thing that we want the most. So it's like, we have to start learning to trust the other thought, to trust like the flip side of that coin. They like, what happens when this does work out? What does that look like? And then start replacing those thoughts. And it's really, it's, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of patience with yourself to go through that process. But if you continue to do that, you'll get better at it. Yeah. Cause I'd have to say like my, I'm a positive person, but my natural reaction is not like, Oh my God, everything is such a great idea and it's going to work. Right. Like as an entrepreneur, we, ha I have like a gazillion ideas a day, which constraint is one of the hardest things to pick one to go in on. But I mean, I am, I kind of have to go to that other movie and be like, worst case scenario. Am I okay with that? Mm -hmm. But I think that, <clears throat> yeah, like when I'm thinking about the possibility I think about it from an emotional place and a logical place. So like, does this feel right to me? Is this something that's in line with my beliefs and what I want to do? And then also logically, like, 
can we afford it? What's the ROI? Like all of the numbers and all the things that thinking about more of a business sense. So um, I think there's definitely both of them. And I think you need to acknowledge that they're both there. The thing is that most people do is that they go to the negative side and they think that that's fact. And like Amanda was saying, it's like, you don't have proof that it's going to work, but you don't have proof that it's not going to work. So Mm -hmm. you really at least have to try something to see, to get that evidence. And you brought up a great, a great question, which is, can I live with the downside? Which I think is enormously important for people to ask is like, okay, here's potentially what could go wrong. Can I live with that? And a lot of people can't. And like everyone has a different risk tolerance, right? And everyone has different, you know, whatever failure points. But I think it's important to recognize, like, as you said, there's going to be a negative and a positive. Like there's an opportunity cost to everything we do. Like you want to build a business through a sacrifice. Are you okay with that? You know, if certain things don't work out, are you okay with that? And I think that's what makes us weirdos, right? Not everyone gets us. <laughs> I know. I just had a moment the other day where I literally was like, oh my gosh, I just want to go work for someone else where I just collect the paycheck and they worry and I don't have to. Like, and I'm like, wait a second. No, I don't. You know what I mean? Like, but those thoughts still come up after doing this for 13 years. Like people think, oh, you've got it so together now. It's like, no, it's, you just have to learn how to manage your mind. And the more aware, you know, these feelings are coming, like it just becomes easier. So like, oh, there it is again okay, I'm yeah. having a moment where I'm going back to being a hostess or, you know, working as a server or whatever it is. And then the like, good old days. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When life, you, you kind of glorify it. It was so easy back then. It's like, no, it wasn't. It was that hard was... in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I remember one of my first jobs was bartending back when smoking was still okay in, in restaurants and stuff. <laughs> and I just remember getting home at like three in the morning and my clothes just reeked of smoke and I have asthma. So it wasn't that good for me. I'm like, I'm just so happy things are different. <laughs> but we all have to go through Yeah, Bartending yeah, was one great. of my first jobs too. It was great. Yeah. I made lots of money, but it was like long hours and terrible, you know, relationships yeah. outside of it because you're just like in this different little bubble. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Not the ideal lifestyle for someone who's maybe a bit more health conscious. Exactly. You mentioned, Amanda, you mentioned something a couple of minutes ago about kind of listening to, you know, clients or people's perspectives and stuff. On the flip side, how do you guys deal with like haters and negativity and criticism? Oh, that's a great question. So when we first started, it used to really bother us, right? Like people would make comments or they would, you know, troll us on social media. Like social media was just kind of like up and coming back then, but it's like, it it would still happen on our YouTube videos. They'd make comments, et cetera. Um, We would get like phone calls, whatever, like all those things happened to us. And they used to really bother us like to our core. And they made us believe that what they were saying was like, like make us doubt ourselves at least. And now, I mean, we're fortunate enough that we're at a place where those comments, we really like when they come up on our ads or things like that, I just delete them. I don't respond to it. I don't acknowledge it. I just I delete it, I remove it and I move forward because I know that that person, like whatever that is, is not going to serve me. It's not going to help me move forward. If anything, it's just going to hinder whatever it is that I'm doing in that moment. So it's just like delete and move on and recognize that, you know, what they say, like those people are probably just, it's like this weird reflection of like what they're going through. And so you just, you know, I can't help that person to, I can't change their mind. So I'm just going to let them be. So just yeah, totally. move on. That's really like our strategy now, but of course, like we're humans. And so there are going to be things that'll like sting a little bit. So you just delete it and move on from it. Don't let it like, don't let it. It's, it's always fun when you have those people that write a, like a really long comment that has no benefit to any of the conversation. And you're like, thanks for spending all that time. 
and all the negativity. I'm going to delete it in one second now. Yeah. Like, do you do the same? Like, it's just like, it's it's a part of, especially with social media being what it is now. It's just like, that's just part of what it is now to be in business. And I think Laura, you were telling me about like, um, was it Brene Brown? And she was saying how, like, it's like, if you're not in the arena, then you don't like, if you're just in like, if you're just in the nosebleed section and you're not actually on the stage and you don't really have that ability to speak that way. Yeah, it's basically like the idea (laughs) of like, if you're not even, you know, if you're not even in the arena, if you're not even playing the game too, you like your opinion doesn't matter. You know, it's, I just find too, it's like, we're really trying to, to be in a space of like the positive comments don't necessarily mean anything. And the negative Mm -hmm. comments don't either. It's almost like those are other people's opinions. And for us, it's like, we're just trying to stay focused on like serving our clients, creating the best business possible and like not getting caught up in all of that. Because I mean, somebody else's opinion of you is really none of your business, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's their opinion. And it's hard. Like, don't get me wrong. It's still like when you read something and it's funny, like there'll be a picture of me and to someone I'm super fit and they're like, Oh my gosh, I would never be able to look like you. And then to someone else they are like, I would never take a fitness certification from her. Like she looks too fat to me. So like everyone has a different, you know, idea of what that looks like too. And I don't know. It takes a long time yeah. to get there. Well, not for everybody. For me, it did. But at this point, I'm just kind of like, totally. I'm 41. I got bigger things to deal with. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> totally. It's true though. Like you mentioned something really valuable, which is, and I think it is a sign of wisdom is you can push aside the negative, but at the same time, you should be able to push aside the positive because yeah. it's just two sides of the same coin. And like you said, like just doing the best you can really should be the, at the end of the day, if you go to bed, and you're like, you know what? I did the best I could today and I can go to sleep with a good conscience. That's a win, right? It's okay. not like a lot of times I'll ask people like, how do you know when you feel or how do you know when you're being successful? And a lot of times people say, when my clients tell me I'm doing a good job or when I get testimonials, I'm like, that's awesome. But if you're dependent upon that, I don't know, you know? Well, you'll always be seeking it. If you're yeah. like, if that's sort of what you depend on to determine sort of your worth or your value that you're creating, you're always going to be seeking it. So if you try to stay neutral, then it really is just about what you're creating as opposed yeah. to outside influences. And it's tough. I mean, there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of people that are on social and talking. I think the, the number one fear that holds people back is the fear of being disliked, right? So we, we compromise our values and some of the stuff we really want to say because we like, we don't want to step on people's toes or whatever. Have you guys had to deal with any of that of kind of like uh, in this journey of like finding your voice, finding like the true essence of fit chicks and who you guys are or, or were as opposed to maybe muting that a little bit, or is that something that not so much? I don't know. I think because from a very, like from the beginning, our branding and our positioning has never really changed. Like we were always about all inclusive fitness for women. So even the way we structured our programs and our classes, it was always for different levels. So they could accommodate like beginner to advanced and just women of all different ages, shapes, sizes, backgrounds, races. So like we have never put up a piece of marketing that shows a crop top or a six pack or anything like that. Like it's even why our logo is a little chick because every woman, no matter where you are in life can relate to like a little cute cartoon, right? And a fit chick (laughs) means something different to everybody. Just like my example of like people saying, giving comments on the ads, like fitness means something different to everybody. So for us, like we kind of owned that from the beginning. So when people try to make comp, like I, we find we don't get a lot of people making comments about, you know, what you should be in the fitness industry, I guess. 
So, I mean, we've also though, too, I think we've spent so much time internally in our business. Like we still, that's one thing we need to work on more. We have our podcast and we have all these other things that we do, but like when it comes to social media, we're not, you know, on Instagram live every single day, like a lot of um, businesses are. Um, We've more built our, our programming from like internally, I guess, and more from, um, from word of mouth and stuff like that. Cool. That's awesome. Uh, ladies, this has been really good. Lots of great insights. Thank you so much for sharing uh, a piece a piece of your journey. I and mean, we could talk about your journey for hours. Um, before we finish off, what is the best place for people watching and listening to follow you guys online or, or learn more about FitChix? Um, so they could go to our website, of course, which is fitchicksacademy.com um, or check us out at FitChix Academy on social. Cool. Awesome. And we'll be sure to link up to those in the show notes for you guys. Uh, Amanda, Laura, this has been this has been nice. This has been a treat. Thank you so much for being on the Health Burner Show, and uh, for the amazing work you've done with thousands of thousands of women, making it more inclusive for them and helping them really, you know, turn come into their full power and stand into their their full selves. And I think, as you guys know, it's more than fitness, and I think more than ever, uh, women need strong leadership. And it's great to see you guys are doing such an amazing job. So thank you, and keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, thank you so much. If you are tired of trying to grow your business and want to know the proven steps that have generated over $100 million for our clients, head to healthpreneurgroup.com slash show to watch our free masterclass. On this masterclass, Yuri will show you the four-step system that predictably fills a health business with qualified, ready-to-buy clients. You don't want to miss this. Again, that's healthpreneurgroup.com slash show. So head to healthpreneurgroup.com slash show or click the link in the show notes. We'll see you next time on the Healthpreneur Show with Yuri Elkheim.